0: Hashtag SAFM Talking Point.
1: Welcome back. It's eight minutes past ten. Thank you so much uh, for your voice uh, notes. Remember, at any given point, whenever we're having a conversation, you can join in on the number seven one four two zero zero six. That's uh, Joburg, 11 714 uh, SMS, 41391. That SMS will cost you a rent 50. We're also on WhatsApp on 061-410-4107. We are the talking point on SFM leading the conversation. Swaziland, or Eswatini, I should call it. Calls amounting for South Africa to intervene in the unrest that is currently taking place in Eswadini. Earlier in this very week that we in, King the III ordered the indefinite closure of uh, schools in uh, that country as pro-democracy protests flare up in the country. And uh, 1.2 million, I think it's uh, the population of uh, Eswadini. Uh, it's been a monarch for the longest time, but uh, political participation 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 has really been curbed. It was curbed by uh, the king's father, King Sopuza. Uh, So this is around 1972. So let's look at the role that South Africa can play in this, if at all, and whether it's fair even for Pretoria to be expected to intervene. We're joined on the line by Dr. Spett for Lamini, uh, political analyst. Good morning, Dr. Lamini. Thank you so much uh, for your time today. And I start there. Is it even fair for that expectation for Pretoria to get involved in the issues of uh, Eswatini?
0: A very good morning to you, uh, KG, and your listeners, of course. But definitely not a very good morning in uh, the kingdom of Eswatini of course, understanding uh, the political chaos that is happening uh, in that country. Uh, but maybe to answer your question, I think one needs to take advantage of this space, uh, KG, to just uh, alert your your listeners that the situation in, in the kingdom of Eswatini has basically, you know, taken a new wave altogether, a new wave of political conflict. In fact with an unprecedented kind of a situation with significant signs uh, taking the country into a war zone kind of situation. Now, with regards to, you know, issues of intervention, I think there's quite a number of uh, misconceptions or myths that we we need to bring forth when we're looking at the issue of, uh, you know, intervention, of course, and its complexities. One maybe needs to start saying that, uh, you know, uh, the idea of intervention could also uh, be related with you know issues of sovereignty, the country being able to take care of its own affairs, and therefore other countries uh, not being allowed to uh, you know intervene in, in, in those in, in those in those instances. But of course, there is a huge difference when Swaziland or Eswatini will request uh, you know assistance from uh, South Africa, for example, and that we may not necessarily refer to that specifically as intervention, particularly within the context of international relations. That is just simply assistance, you know, uh, by a neighboring country or any other kind of, uh, you know, a, a, a body that may be uh, basically interested in assisting those, particularly when the, the, the country in concern, the country that has those issues, basically sends that invitation. But also, we have seen quite a number of instances where South Africa has expressed great concern over you know, the issues of uh, Swatini and the crisis that is currently prevailing in there. And of course, the position has always uh, been that South Africa has insisted uh, that the citizens' rights uh, need to be respected, particularly you know with regards to a uh, peaceful protest, of course. And therefore, I really think that South Africa can take advantage uh, of, of, of of where it is positioned, particularly as a neighbour of uh, the Kingdom of the Swatini. But above that, we will remember that the current chairperson of uh, you know uh, the troika organ of SADC, of course, uh, is the current president, President Cyril Ramaphosa, and so we are seeing no other space that can uh, be taken into this, or maybe we we are seeing uh, uh, South Africa well positioned uh, uh, into finding itself intervening uh, in in the issues of, of Swaziland, of course.
1: So, I mean, you know, how do we get to the point of pro-democracy protests? What has changed? Because it's been an absolute monarch for the longest time and uh, political participation or, or of any kind has really been quelled since the year 1972. It was done so by the king, uh, the, the previous king, the father of the current king, King Sobuza. Uh, from 1972, it's 2021. What has drastic Changed so much to make the population of 1.2 million in Eswatini feel like they would rather have democracy and not the monarch that rules them.
0: Look, I think uh, one of the main factors that has contributed towards this: the levels of unemployment in the Kingdom of Swaziland uh, have reached, you know, an unprecedented scale. Uh, uh, there is quite a lot of poverty. People uh, are way living beyond below, uh, you know, the poverty line. And, uh, of course, there's been quite a number of other, you know, issues that have been brought up by, uh, you know, different stakeholders and different institutions within the country. You know, particularly we've just recently seen uh, the students protesting, complaining about, you know, uh, uh, issues of uh, nutrition, uh, the food that they are getting, uh, you know, within the schools. Uh, But overall, I think all these events, you know, can be, you know, translated into a, a country with citizens that have suddenly woken up, of course, uh, through the influences of uh, you know uh, the neighboring the neighboring states, to which they are all democratic in any case. Mm. Uh, 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 the idea of uh, you know uh, social media and communication at large as well has uh, appeared to have opened the minds of of, of, of a and as a result, all these events have led up into what I will refer to as, you know, an advocacy around constitutional reform and political reform. Of course, there's an array of other issues. Uh, 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 Maswati and the citizens there have actually been recently complaining about uh, the king, uh, you know, uh, living his luxurious lifestyle and worst of it all, not, uh, you know, giving an ear to some of the issues that are raised uh, by uh, the people of Swatini.
1: Yeah, we'll talk later about how uh, you spoke of social media and its power, uh, and 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 how from time to time that sort of gets cut off. I think it was cut off over the weekend uh, for a couple of hours or days. But I want to talk about the economic participation of uh, the population, the 1.2 to 1.3 million people, because they say the large majority of uh, the people of Swaziland, about two thirds of that uh, 1.3 million uh, population, are subsistence farmers and they farm communal land but for some they're saying this communal land in the end ends up actually being controlled by the palace uh, the palace has appointed chiefs that control this uh, communal land and to a certain extent uh, that economic uh, participation gets limited because apparently there's a per- percentage of whatever gets made by the farmers or any business really uh, you know and and that Per- percentage goes directly to the king what is your take on that
0: yeah I, th- I think you're very much correct uh, let us start here one of the main issues uh, that are basically in the forefront of what we are seeing now has been uh, the amount of power and authority that has been given to the king you will understand that uh, uh, the king is above the law according to the Constitution of Swaziland.
2: Mm. now
0: in such cases, he finds himself, of course, you know, uh, having that authority uh, to hire and fire cabinet ministers. He's responsible for the judicial system, uh, uh, you know, the parliament, etc., uh, etc. Et and so uh, one of the most disturbing things that I think has contributed towards this as well was when uh, he gave uh, a what is called Isibaya, where it's a gathering mm. uh, for, all, for, for for most of Emma Swati. And he declared openly to, to the nation to say everything that is within the, the boundaries of the kingdom of Swaziland is basically his, mm. And uh, yet uh, his father seemed to have spoken a different language altogether when he stated that uh, everything must belong to the Swazi people. Mm. And so it is no surprise, therefore that, you know, the, the economic aspect or the economic participation of the Swazi people will definitely, uh, you know, be limited in quite a number of areas. There's been instances as well where some people were basically evicted in parts of Swaziland and uh, the king had to, you know, take that land. And of course, the idea was that whatever happened there on a the commercial level was eventually going to benefit him and uh, his wife and his children. So yeah. it, it's been it's been quite a, a, a serious issue on the economic uh, you know aspect, which eventually then explains uh, the levels of poverty in that uh, beautiful
1: country called Eswatini. Yeah, we are in conversation, by the way, just in case you just uh, joined us, with uh, Dr. Spetford Lamini, who's a political analyst, and we're analyzing uh, the situation in Swaziland and uh, trying to assess whether or not it is necessary or even imperative uh, for South Africa to interfere uh, in uh, sovereign issues of uh, the country of uh, Eswatini. If you want to join in on the conversation, do so. We are on 11 you make a reference, uh, Dr. Uh, Spetford, to uh, the constitution, and you say that uh, the, the, the king of Eswatini is above the constitution. What does the constitution say? Uh, you know, for, for, for <laughs> how does it uh, guide, I suppose, the citizens of Eswatini? And how true are reports that that very constitution of Swaziland is one that was crafted by the king's brother.
0: Look, um, maybe one should start here, AKG. Um, I will not delve so much into uh, the true value of who who drafted the constitution and all of that, but here is how the constitution is in Swaziland. There is one main important act, uh, which is called the Suppression of Terrorism Act. Mm -hmm. Now, that act was signed in 2008, in August, of course, into law, Uh, But it gravely threatened uh, the freedom of expression, the freedom of association, and of peaceful assembly, of course. And hence we find our MPs, uh, two of the MPs in Swaziland, who are currently arrested for having violated that. Now, the other factor about this act is that uh, uh, the law created some sort of an atmosphere of intimidation, uh, which is used to silence, you know, defense uh, in Swaziland. And uh, if you if you look at such an act, it, it has also been very successful in creating, you know, a climate of fear. You know, until only now, where the citizens no longer care and find themselves determined, you know, uh, 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 to fight for injustices, intimidation, and overall the advocacy of a fully democratic uh, Swaziland as well. And so, one should really uh, state that uh, it's going to be quite uh, difficult for the current government. Uh, the king himself, to find himself, uh, you you know, in a situation where he restores the country back to normal. Because a a lot of uh, people in different sectors of the country have openly come out to say, we are no longer interested in this. And it's it's even worse when you're going to find, you know, some members of the security personnel forces, of course, assisting some of these demonstrators uh, into uh, blocking uh, roadblocks. That just gives you a clear picture of how uh, uh, bad the situation is in that country. Uh,
1: but but when you say that, you know, some people are openly saying that we're no longer comfortable with this, uh, are you saying uh, dialogue at least is allowed to the degree that people can voice it? They can say, we don't want this system anymore, it's no longer working for us. Or is there a degree of suppression? I mean, for example, uh, you know, are you comfortable having this conversation with me right now?
0: Yes. Uh, no, I, I think there's, there's a huge degree of suppression. Of course, there's been quite a number of instances and events uh, that uh, uh, were were initiated by those who are advocating for democracy to say, "Let us uh, open up the table and let us discuss." Mm. But you will remember uh, in the in the few months that uh, one of the main problems that came about was the people then started being reluctant. Going into a place called Isibaya, where the king would normally call them, and mm. um, to discuss that. And and the idea was that when they normally get there, the citizens normally do not find themselves, you know, getting into what is called a dialogue. Yeah. Uh, instead, it just becomes a monologue where the king just speaks to the people. And we've seen events in the past where uh, where where others wanted to basically voice out, and they were basically told uh, that uh, you you cannot basically bring forth such issues. Uh, and therefore, it's it, 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 it more than just you know uh, the suppression of freedom of expression. It's also issues of intimidation.
2: Mm. But again,
0: let me say, KG, that's why the people have found themselves in a stage or in a state where they no longer care about that. Mm. Hence, you you, you find a, a situation where some of the members of the uh, police force will mm. voluntarily say, uh, "I no longer I'm no longer interested in this." We've heard of one, of course. Who's currently in South Africa in exile, mm. who basically resigned, and I will not be surprised if there will be quite a number of other military personnel who might also take the same route. So yes, previously the worst years. Along, what could you say about the king? What could yeah. you say? Uh, you know about uh, you know the nation and, and and the authority, and you may not challenge the authority basically. However, oh, I think that has slowly and gradually disappeared to oblivion.
1: Okay, we have some calls. There's a couple of people that uh, want uh, to join in on the conversation, and I want to when we when we're done answering them, I want to talk about uh, how practical uh, it is, even in terms of uh, constitutional reform, uh, to for for Eswatini to become a democracy where where when we're done with that. But let's start with Temba in Bushback Ridge. Temba, good morning. Welcome to SAFM.
3: Hi, KG, and your guest.
1: I'm
3: mm. um, South African. I started visiting Switzerland in 2006. Then, uh, at first, I was just visiting the small towns, Babanus, uh, uh, Mazzini, and the rest. Then I started visiting the rural areas. Then I was heavily disturbed by the poverty there in Switzerland. Mm. There's poverty everywhere in Switzerland. People are not working. People are just uh, um, all over the place selling stuff which they don't even get a thing. And, you know, before Corona, people of Switzerland used to go to Deben, uh, South Africa, everywhere, buying stock to sell. But now they are unable
4: to.
1: So, in well, essence, though, Temba, are you saying South Africa should get involved and interfere in the runnings of another country because of what you are expressing, that there's no economic activity, uh, they're not thriving?
3: Yes, and people, uh, people of Swaziland, I must tell you, KG, if you, uh, you know they depend on South Africa, on almost everything. Let me tell you, if South Africa can decide today to close borders to Swaziland, Swaziland will starve to death. They get everything from South Africa, from food okay. to almost everything. Then, let, uh, before I go, mm. uh, I read on uh, on one uh, social media post one day that the Southerners bought uh, Rolls-Royce's, a lot of them.
1: As in then the I king?
3: Yes, he bought Rolls Royces, mm. you know those expensive cars. Of course. I didn't believe that. One day I visited Swaziland, I saw those cars with my eyes, running in the streets. Then I was asking myself, what kind of a person are you uh, spending over $100 million run buying cars when your people are starving in the mm. villages of Swaziland, having no food to eat? Children have to pay for school fees. Uh, think about it. People who are Living uh, below the poverty line, having to pay school fees, people, uh, children dropping out of school because they, uh, their parents can't afford to pay. South yeah. okay. really, really needs democrats. I must say that.
1: Okay, Temba, you've made your point. David and Joba, good morning. Hmm. David. David.
2: Uh, uh, a certain uh, uh, aspect to, to, to bring about.
1: Yeah.
2: So, in my thinking. Is that a yeah. or a 14. It is a is, is, is the last. It's said to be the last monarchy, almost. I think the world over, because in other countries where you have a monarch, you you, you have dual system. Have a, a monarch and you a. You mean tiny. the last
1: absolute monarch?
2: Yes, the last absolute monarch. Mm. Now here is my advice. My advice, maybe I'm not especially, maybe. Wrong may be right. But my feeling is, if the 40 people want democracy, they should be warned that even democracy is one of the systems that we have here in South Africa, and it's trouble. There's many hands into the cookie jar, but in a monarchy, like in Swaziland, they have one person to blame. So it is an easier uh, challenge to take up because you've got one person. So therefore, why don't the Swazi people leverage on the issue that the, the, the government is a monarchical government and try and just to see how they can eke out Maybe they can use it. They can they can advertise it
1: okay. to the world, okay. so that
2: everybody, I mean everyone around the world, maybe if they want to know how a monarchy uh, a structure works, maybe they can leverage it like you do with the, with the, um, visitations uh, in, in, in different countries, you see, so that you, you learn something about it, okay. something like that
1: okay uh, I've, uh, I've got you i think you've you've made your point david yes, uh, uh yes. we don't have time linias i don't know if i said your name correctly linias Mashile in Bushback ridge hi linias hi how are you i'm well thank you
4: um i think we have
1: tried Lenias Mashile yes linias yeah yeah i tried uh, i hope you can yes, also say uh, Komodo. no 99
4: 99 out of 100. Hmm. Look, um, the issue of Swaziland. Some of us, I think, have been there. You know, it's uh, a lot more early around eighty-four, coming upwards, and um, we we really know Swaziland uh, reasonably well. And um, this thing of Pimkunda system in Swaziland is the one that is very problematic. Because um, it, it 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 is a system that suppresses the Swazis big time, and um, the indunas or hitmen as well, they are intertwined with uh, the monarchy. They actually work as impimpis and uh, to suppress like police reservists. You can't be in any corner in Swaziland. And then uh, you, you are not known as the as the, the monarchy that you are there. Okay. If they don't know you, okay. So the king, the, the king must learn one thing: people can be free in South Africa and enjoy freedom. And then just across the border, then a suppressing people with dictatorship. It is not going to last long.
1: Okay, you've made your Eventually point, it's Linias. it's
4: going to be a treason and grata very soon. Okay, he doesn't reform
1: Okay right. okay thank you thank you guys I I cut Linias because we have to go to news headlines but I think Lineas makes a very important point uh because what happens to those 1.2 million people or 1.3 million citizens of Swaziland should their issues not be resolved right because remember at the, dis- at the start of the discussion I said uh we South Africa and Mozambique border this country which would mean do, does it mean those 1.3 spill over into our country and what Economically, does it mean then for our country if they do spill over? We're talking Eswatini with political analyst Dr. Spedford Lamini and we'll continue that discussion after the news headlines. It's 10.31 and Musa is standing by.
0: You are listening to KG Mwekezi on SFM.
1: 10.33 on SAFM, on The Talking Point. I'm Khmutso Keiji The conversation right now is around Swaziland. I'm sorry, by the way. I apologize. I suppose my mind is used to calling it Swaziland, but it's not anymore. It's the kingdom of Eswatini. And whether or not South Africa should intervene in the issues that plague uh, Eswatini. we have seen pro-democracy protests uh, that have happened. And uh, this week o- alone we learned that uh, school schools were ordered to indefinitely close as pro-democracy protests flare up in the country. And we're looking at what role, if at all, that South Africa can play in this and whether it's fair or, you know, should be expected for Pretoria to intervene. And we've been talking to Dr. Spetford Lamini, a political analyst and also taking your calls. So uh, maybe we go to the calls and then uh, we can allow Dr. Lamini to uh, respond to all of the Calls Eddie, you're in Urendal's rest. Good morning, Eddie. Yes, thank you very much, my sister.
2: Uh, thanks also for for this because it's another way of forcing the the king to you know to make sure that the democracy is this Let me just go to the the, the main objective of SADC. It, uh, the, the main objective is for SADEC to achieve development, peaceful and security, and economic growth to alleviate poverty, enhance the standard and quality of life of the peoples of Southern Africa, and support the social disadvantage through regional integration built on democratic principles. I don't know whether the president of, um, of SADC, the Democratic Chawera, whether is aware of this main objective of SADC. Really, I don't know why are we really letting the team to do uh what he's doing to to the to the people of southern uh of swt are we are really heartless people in this continent these are just plain main objective of sadek but people fail to implement those main objectives of the structure that was uh, established to ensure that there's a democracy in africa but also in SADC, in the region of SADC. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Eddie. But I want to ask you a question, uh, you know, uh, yes, b- 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 before you go, because you say there's an expectation for democracy in Sadek. But the truth is, uh, Eswatini, as one of the callers said earlier, is an absolute monarchy, and uh, that sovereignty has to be respected. What do you make of that? No,
2: one, one understands that. Um, I mean, we've been saying, for example, um, you know, there are, other uh, um, monarchs in Africa, whereby but still, when the monarch is there, people go to an extent of you know electing either the prime minister who will take over the inter, uh, the, the governance uh, the, the governance structure. Now here, the king is taking everything. Can I can I put also this lightly? The king is taking everything, including women in SRT. this this, this is wrong, and it must be stopped. And mm-hmm. you remember 2017, the king was the, was the chairperson of SADEC, And that was the right time for him to be punished, to be asked as a chairperson of SADEC in 2017. Why can't you make sure that there's a democracy in your own country? In fact, you are supposed to be told not to be the chairperson. Of, of Saddock in 2017. failed okay, To tell you.
1: Okay. Okay. You lost me at uh, the uh, taking their women, but it's fine, Eddie. Thank you for your call. Justice in Josini. Good morning, Justice. Good morning, Kamuto. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you. Yeah, I'm not very well. <laughs> uh, to the issue of Pretoria.
2: I think uh, Pretoria should intervene on the issue of president. Why? Uh, because uh, I'm in Josini, yes?
1: Yeah. Uh, people from
2: Swaziland in in Kongono are in children
1: mm-hmm. because
2: of the issues uh, that's happening in in, in Yeah. So
1: this
2: thing is also affect us uh, in South Africa.
1: Okay. Okay. And the,
2: the borders. Uh, in order for them to cross the border, it's only a offense. They just are uh, cross without any, any documentation, any vaccination. They just cross daily
1: on a daily basis Mm, okay thank you thank you justice and i and i suppose that's a point to consider uh dr lamini that uh you know the the spillover if if i can use that word loosely into south africa is very easy uh if people are uncomfortable enough uh in eswatini they will leave and probably their destination will be south africa or mozambique
0: no, yes, absolutely, um, uh, KG. I think maybe one should just start with, with um, uh, the, the, the recent uh, call, of course. I think there's been discussions around you know, issues of, of sovereignty, which I think we, we dealt on earlier on. Mm. But I think it's quite important to understand the, 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 the concept of sovereignty within the international relations space, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is basically a, a foundational principle, to which, uh, you know, countries must basically be respected, of course, uh, within their territories. But I think, KG, let us, you know, uh, demystify or let us basically slay some of these misconceptions about the concept of sovereignty. The first and most important one, of course, is that sovereignty has never been absolute. Uh, We have seen in quite a number of, uh, you know, countries where there's been intervention, uh, you know, in the midst of what is called uh, sovereignty, of course. Yeah, and uh, one of the key areas, of course, of focus, if you look at issues such as you know your humanitarian intervention, where, where a country was delivered to violate the sovereignty of another state, just to in order to, to safeguard uh, the rights of those citizens within that country. And a good example, of course, was when you know the USA intervened in Libya, in Libya, largely because of a dictator who was suppressing the Libyan people's rights. Mm. And that is exactly what is basically happening in, 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 in Swaziland. So I just thought maybe I should just clarify that, to say mm. even though there is that principle of sovereignty, states have a responsibility of finding themselves, you know, intervening in other states. The level or maybe the type of intervention is what needs to be brought into question because you also have your military intervention, political intervention, and economic intervention as well, which I think is an important area that we have touched on, which then leads me to talk about the spillover you know, into a country such as, you know, uh, Mozambique and and and, uh, South, and South Africa. Africa.
1: But, but what mm. level then, uh, uh, Dr. Lamini, what level, if South Africa decides to inter- to uh, get involved, I don't want to use the word interfere because it implies something different, what level of uh, involvement or and or participation uh, should South Africa have? Uh, should South Africa, for example, be expected to take the side of uh, the pro-democracy protesters or should South Africa and Encourage dialogue between the king and his subjects.
0: Yeah, look, I think uh, we we cannot dispute the fact that there's been quite a number of avenues that have been used by the people of Eswatini in trying to, you know, bring forth a possibility of a dialogue. But uh, I've recently explained what what normally would happen when such would be would be proposed with regards to the king, of course, coming up with a monologue instead of a dialogue. But I must say that one of the things that I believe South Africa needs to put into the forefront is basically to push for a humanitarian kind of intervention, oh. or what I would call you know, humanitarian interventionism, uh, 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 because most of the countries, particularly the international community, is now fully aware. Of what is happening, you know, uh, in, in, in Swaziland. Of course, there could be other uh, in Swatini. Of course, there could be other, you know, areas of of focus and options that could be, you know, explored. Particularly the economic aspect of it. Ecom- economic interventionism uh, could basically assist if most Swazis, uh, uh, you know, are quite dependent on much of what is happening in South Africa. And I see the spillover, you know, going more towards South Africa than Mozambique. Yeah. And so there's a variety of solutions that can be brought forward and South Africa can be of assistance, particularly along the lines of a humanitarian kind of intervention. Uh, you,
1: you you, tried to give me an idea earlier, Pat. Uh, perhaps for our listeners that uh, just joined us now. Are you able to give me a picture of what life is like for an average Swati person today as you and me have this conversation? Uh, what is life? I know kids are not going to school. I know that to be true as a fact uh, because of that indefinite closure of schools. But what is life like for an average Swati person today?
0: Yeah, look, as we speak, uh, Swaziland, I can confidently say it's in a standstill. There's been quite a number of major roads that have been blocked. And one, of course, is the MRH, 8 uh, you know, the road coming from uh, Devon towards Lavor Mesa Gate, which is basically an an important economic, uh, you know, aspect for consideration. And uh, therefore, as we speak right now, uh, there's a lot of uncertainty on what uh, you know the future may bring. But I must say that at the same time, there's quite a lot of hope in terms of you know quite a number of uh, citizens, of course, uh, uh, heading towards the line of. Being a democratic Swaziland, and so overall, uh, life is not as it, as it used to be yesterday. Particularly because most of uh, Maswati have had their eyes opened, and there's been quite a number of uh, uh, you know uh, grievances that they've, they've basically brought up. But again, uh, uh, the authorities and the government doesn't really necessarily seem to be you know giving a Maswati an a ear.
1: Yeah, is the issue though with this current king? Or is the issue with the system, the monarchy?
0: Yeah, look, I I think um, one needs to look at the different levels of analysis when looking at, uh, you know, the issue in in Swaziland. The first and most important one for me, of course, would be to look at the situation at an individual level of analysis. And the focus, of course, is none other than the king uh, you will understand, uh, KG, that Emaswati uh, were quite very happy uh, in the country. The place was uh, peaceful, and they really enjoyed, you know, uh, you know, their culture, and of course, uh, were excited about the monarchy until recently. And so, the system, the, basically, the issue in this case is an authority uh, that does not seem to be taking care of, uh, you know, his, his citizens. But again. The system has, has just been an issue that has just been raised up now to say, uh, you know, people have actually then started opening their eyes to look at how, you know, the Tinkhunda system itself basically operates. I think there is a caller uh, previously who alluded to that, uh, you know, the Tinkhunda system is designed in such a way that uh, uh, the chiefs in their respective con- constituencies are, are very much linked to the king, and therefore it's quite easy, of course, to understand Uh, how easily one could be, uh, you know, spied in case maybe he comes up with, you know, issues of democracy and all of that. So Mm. from an individual level of analysis, the key is the focal point in this case. But overall, the system also is a contributing factor. Hence, uh, much advocacy now around issues of, you know, uh, political reform and constitutional reform altogether.
1: Yeah, we have to leave it here. Time is no longer on our side. But thank you for making the time uh, to give your analysis, uh, Dr. Spetford Lamini, political analyst, as we look at uh, the degree or not of involvement that South Africa should have in uh, the issues that are plaguing our neighbor, uh, Eswatini.